huge news, years in the making, my brand new book that my publishers refuse to publish, Money Matrix. Beat the money system and build generational wealth. Understand the three main ways that the banks productize you and make money from you. You'll be able to turn that system against itself, build generational wealth and multiple streams of recurring income. It's all at moneymatrix.cash. And if you're quick, the first few hundred registrants and buyers will receive many special bonuses from me. The brand new Moneymaker Summit three-day special event. Meet me at a champagne reception. Meet me at a multi-millionaire networking dinner. Go now, moneymatrix.cash. This is huge. There is only one thing that you could or should be doing in any moment. And you are either doing the right thing or the wrong thing. Hi, it's Rob Moore here, and this is something a bit different. I'm actually in, what would you call this? Our big boardroom, our big glass box at Progressive HQ. And I'm here with um, 15 of my team. And every two weeks, I do a, a special session for my team, generally around mindset. But we're doing something a bit different today. And that is, I'm going to talk about being hyper-productive, ruthlessly effective and efficient, and actually talk about the difference between productive, effective, efficient, how to get more done in less time. I mean, I did write the book on this subject. The book is called Life Leverage. Um, and that's this session. So if you're listening somewhere and you're not a member of my team, you're lucky that you've got access to this content because normally you'd have to work for me or with me or pay. So let's get into this. There is only one thing that you could or should be doing in any moment and you are either doing the right thing or the wrong thing. Now, I remember Deepak Chopra, he called, he, he called it spontaneous right action. And he said in the millions of decisions that you could make, there is one spontaneous right action. So people think you can multitask, you can't. You can actually only do one thing at once. Mm. Okay, so you can work out while listening to audio. You can walk while doing a phone call. So there are some basic things where you can do two tasks at once. But in terms of concentration, I don't believe the human mind is able to intensely concentrate on any more than one thing. So what procrastination is, is your mind moving away from the important thing to something else. It's not two things, it's moving from one thing to the other. And actually, someone expressed there's this guy that went and spent years with these intense Buddhist monks who slept four hours a day and meditated for 18 hours a day to try and find enlightenment. And I thought this definition of procrastination was really good. Procrastination is not being able to control an emotion. And I've never really heard it defined like that. But, but when you think about it, let's say you're trying to write a book. And you're like, this is fucking hard you feel the pain of it being hard and so you want to do something easier. So in that moment, the job that's hard, the job you've got to do, is the most important spontaneous right action. And the emotion of procrastination is find something easier. Let's have a quick chat or maybe I'll just check my emails or check Instagram. So actually what I think procrastination is, is your focus because of your emotions moving away from the important task to the easy task. So if you want a barometer for the single right action, most important task that you should be doing right now, it's probably the thing that's 
that feels the most uncomfortable. So um, Brian Tracy taught me this 17 years ago. Have you ever heard the phrase, eat the frog? So I don't really understand what it means because who the fuck wants to eat a frog? Um, but eat the, eat the frog. He, he wrote a book called Eat That Frog. And eat the frog means the very thing you don't want to do that you've been putting off, you do it immediately. I'm very proud to say this episode is sponsored by AG1. As you know, we're more than 1,000 episodes into Disruptors and I very rarely have sponsors. I'm really choosy on sponsors and I only pick people that I love myself and I use myself. I have turned down loads of sponsors, but personally I've been using AG1 for nearly 14 years myself before we ever did a sponsorship deal with them. For me, AG1 really helps with my mental focus, clarity and overall well-being. As someone who's really freaking busy and can't always sit down and eat a million vegetables in a day, knocking back a big pintful of AG1 in the morning is perfect for me. Of course, health is wealth, and I'm in my mid-40s, I'm realising that more and more. So if you'd like to try AG1 yourself with a special exclusive offer that I have for you right now, go to drinkag1.com forward slash disruptors. That's drinkag1.com forward slash disruptors and get a free year supply of vitamin D3, K2 and five travel packs with your first purchase on me. So one more time, that's drinkag1.com forward slash disruptors. AG1, thanks for sponsoring the show. You are legends. So it's essentially being decisive to do the thing you know you've got to do, but you don't want to do. That's what eat the frog means. So the frog is the spontaneous right action, single most important task. And the procrastination is everything else. And so the emotion is, I want it to be easier. And because pain is painful, no one wants to sit in pain. So for example, if you want to get cardiovascular fit, the only way to get cardiovascular fitter is for your heart to be pumping out of your ass, basically. Like you can't grow your cardiovascular muscle, the heart muscle, without pushing it and making it really hard. So people want to get fitter, but actually they do easier exercises because they don't want to feel that pain. And then they convince themselves that they're getting fitter. They're not. Being in the gym doesn't get you fit. Doing the wrong kind of exercises doesn't get you fit. What gets you fit is doing the one thing that gets you fit, which is probably the one machine in the gym you don't want to fucking go anywhere near. Like you, you walk around it at a distance. Running machine, fucking air bike. It's the air bike. The air bike is the machine of death. It's the one you have to stand up like this and fucking stare it out like that. And it's the air bike. A anyone will tell you that. And the, the rower as well. I don't fucking don't like the rower. It's, yeah, it, would you agree the air bike? Yeah. The, the, the air bike is death, but, that, but you get the fittest, the quickest on the air bike. So for example, in sales, the frog is either that complaint that's been sat in there for a few days that you don't want to deal with, or it's the big sale, but you know it's not going to be the easy sale and you're going to have to really work at that. Or it's some training and development that actually, if you're honest with yourself, you, you know you need to go through, but you're putting off. So I have, a, I have a theory. I think that successful people just get good at handling that runaway emotion. Because here's the irony with procrastination. People even want to procrastinate about procrastination and they even don't want to face what procrastination really is. What procrastination is, is the easy choice. Hard 
painful emotional task, easy, simple, administrative task. For example, if I see a salesperson and they spend more time on their emails than on the phone, that's a major flag for me. Because email is procrastination about getting on the phone. If you're hired to sell, you're not going to sell that much sending out emails. Like another bit of a flag for me, and I'm talking generalizations here, and I'll use other examples than sales, but generally a really organized salesperson is not a great salesperson. Because a really organized salesperson is using organization to procrastinate from getting on the fucking phone. So I like to see a chaotic, paper everywhere, fucking shit admin salesperson who is up and down like a whore's drawers in the sales department on the phone for six hours a day. The admin can be done later. I remember when I first started selling, because I didn't, I, I was scared of rejection. I still don't like rejection, but I've just learned that it's a part of life. But, so I would avoid it. And so I'd, I'd get into the office, I'd always get in early before everybody else, because that's what winners do. And um, all of a sudden I'd start to feel a bit nervous and I'd immediately pick up the phone and just fucking dial the number. So you don't give yourself time to talk yourself out of doing the thing. Okay, so then let's put this into some practical. In any one moment, you only have one task that you need to do. You just need to make sure it's the right one. Because by the way, you know people say work hard, work hard, work hard. Well, you know all those coal miners or those people who are with the pickaxes in Africa in the gold mines, they work 16 hours a day and they earn nothing. Nurses, they work really fucking hard and they're underpaid. So it's not true, it's a myth, it is not true that hard work equals success. What is true is the right work, worked hard, equals success. You're better off doing three minutes on the air bike hard than fucking 30 minutes skipping on the running machine. If you want to get lung capacity, for example. So, by the way, you know when I say success, this is all just about how you define it, what you want to get from your career and your life. There is no universal quantifier of success. It's what you want. But you can't hide from yourself. You can convince yourself, we're all pretty good at that. Let me ask you a question. Who's the easiest person to lie to? Of course. Oh, well, you know what, going to the gym this morning, yeah, well, you know, I've not been feeling too good, so you probably shouldn't overtrain. And fucking, you just lied to yourself. You filthy liar. If your friend said that to you, you'd call them straight out. But you've managed to convince yourself. So you can't escape yourself. What that, mean, what that means is you fucking know what that single most important task is. You know. Now, sometimes what happens is your manager or someone in, else in the office goes, oh, I need you to do that. Now, if you get distracted, you'll blame them because they came and distracted you. But no one can distract you without your permission. And it was convenient that they just need you to do this thing because it gives you an excuse to go away from the hard thing that you've got to do right now. So you can't multitask. Well, you can, but not with focus. You can only focus on one thing. So there is one spontaneous right action and there is 932,000 other things that are the wrong action in terms of you being effective. So if in every moment in time or most moments in time, you are doing the single most important thing to you in that moment, you are going to win at life, fact. It's just that other people, 
and your past trauma and baggage and your emotions and distractions, they're all going to scream at you in that moment and draw you away from that single most important task. Generally, it's not always, sometimes you can get in flow and you can really love what you do, but generally the most important task is the one you don't want to do, not the one you do want to do. Because what you want to do is easy. What you need to do is often hard. Okay, so we'll come back to that in a minute. What's the difference between productive, effective, and efficient? Productive, effective, and efficient. This is a very good point. You can produce an output. I remember when, Mum, do you remember when we got those credit card machines and you had the till roll in it? And sometimes it wouldn't work and the till roll would all just come out, but there'd be nothing printed on it. Well, you can be very productive at producing a load of nothingness, a load of things that aren't important or effective. So here's, a, here's an example. You can get to the end of a day having done a lot in that day and achieved absolutely fuck all. <laughs> and he is like, that's my life. <laughs> With a C-U-N-T cup there. <laughs> yeah. So like the, the, the amount and the volume of production isn't really relevant. It's the quality of the production. So I like to get a lot done because it makes me feel good. If I get a lot done in a day and I work, 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 busy, 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 I can look myself in the mirror and go, yeah, I'm a winner because I fucking did a lot of work. And what I'm having, I'm constantly retraining myself to do is to go, don't measure on production, measure on quality of production. You know, if you have a factory line and every other thing you produce comes out as a reject, it's actually highly inefficient. So you can produce less, but better quality, and you can be more efficient. So this morning, I wrote four emails that took me about half an hour, and they were all for reopen applications of the 45. That'll probably be a 45,000 to 90,000 pound task. It might even be a 135,000 pound task. So I'm much better creating a bit of space before and a bit of space after, and making sure I smash those 30 minutes, and they're quality 30 minutes, because that could be 100 grand 30 minutes. Then write a load of fucking emails that don't really produce anything. Okay, so what's if, so if being productive is the output and quality of the output, well, no, being productive is the output. Being effective is the quality of the output. And efficient is doing it in a timely manner, i.e. the shortest and most direct way of achieving the goal without shortcutting achieving the goal. So you know when you get emails and 932 people are copied in and you've got the, do you remember that game Snake on the mobile phone? Are any of you old enough to remember that? The snake, there's a, the trail of the snake gets so long. You've got this, the thread of death going on and 902 conversations simultaneously happen. Sometimes just pick up the phone and talk to someone for five minutes or get off your desk and go over there and look at someone and say, right, let's sort this out. That is efficient because sometimes you can do the right thing the wrong way, i.e. it can take too long, it can be confusing, it can be overwhelming. So productive is output, effective is quality of output, and efficiency is timeliness and speed and linearity of the result. Okay, so question for you. How do you know 
what is the most important, singular, spontaneous right action for you to do in any moment? How do you know? So the one you fear the most, or the one that seems the most overwhelming, that is, that is right up there for sure. I don't think you can say any one task is 100% the right task, but a good gauge is how it makes you feel. Generally in life, the things that are the most scary are the things that are the most rewarding and the things that are the most overwhelming are the things that give us the result at the end, generally speaking. So number one is the, the fear or the overwhelm that you might feel towards that task. Did anyone here go to uni? We're from Peterborough, so no one's nodding. <laughs> I went to prison! <laughs> you went for a year, yeah, I love it. Um, that, that means you didn't go, yeah, okay. So, did anyone go to your lectures at uni? <laughs> okay, so you had a whole semester or a whole term to do your project and you probably did it in the last week. That's, or you didn't do it. Why? Why put it off? Why put your big project off to the end? It's a simple answer, because it was hard. It's easier to do Freshers' Week. It's easier to get pissed all the time. It's easier to do those other things that you all clearly did. Um, so you put the big project off because it's the hardest thing about your course. So if it's hard and it's overwhelming and it's looming and it's scary, it's probably a good gauge that you should do it. Number one, barometer of right action task. What else? I mean, if you haven't said this yet, this is definitely why you need to be here and why you need me in your life. So I'm just going to tell you all the task that makes you the most fucking money. Like, wh why would you do a task that makes you no money when there's a task that can make you the maximum amount of money? And sometimes people think, well, uh, that's not relevant to me because I just get paid my salary. No, if you do the tasks that make you the most amount of money in your salary, you're more likely to get a salary raise. If you do the tasks that make you the least amount of money attributed to your salary, you're least likely to get a salary raise. So every one of us, whether we earn minimum wage or maximum wage, you have 20% of your tasks that earn 80% of your salary and vice versa. So if you know what they are, like for those of you in sales, making sales is your highest paying task. So basically, anything that helps you make more sales, you should do more of. And anything that makes you less sales, you should do less of. Now there are some variables to that, i.e. limitations of software and system, limitations of leads, limitations of connection rates, what other distractions from other people who, oh, let's go for lunch. Yeah, should we just go for lunch? Yeah, you know, and, bit band and all these other things that can pull, pull you away. But I would, as an action for you all, I would definitely sit down and write down what tasks you do that make you the most amount of money. Now, by the way, you should want to do those tasks for you because you're, go you're going to earn more money if you do the five things out of the 500 things that you could do that make you the most money. And I want you to do those because the more you do those, the more money you make. And I'm not going to pay you more money if I don't make more money. So you're going to get paid. We're both, we are all in this room equally incentivized because the more income generating tasks you do, the more income it generates for the business, the more money I make and the more money I have to pay you more. So fear-based task is number one. Number two, I call, I call them IGTs, income generating tasks. So 
you're sitting down, you're about to, to start work. And when I say start work, that doesn't mean 9am. You start work every time you move from one task to another. So you essentially start work between 10 and 100 times a day. Because every time you, so when I came in, it was 12.02, I sat down here and I started work. And then in half an hour, I'll finish this and I'll start work. And then half an hour after that meeting, I'll finish that and I'll start work. So you get an opportunity to restart your work. I mean, if you're on the phones and you do 80 calls a day, you get 80 chances to start work. So each time you start work, just, just train your brain to go, is this the most important use of my time right now? Simply. Someone wants to go for lunch. You were going to do one more call. What are you going to choose? I'll see you there in five minutes and do the call. So I've, I have found, because the thing is, I didn't realize the comfort of being employed. Because sometimes you're employed and you want freedom. And you think that freedom is being your own boss. I am my own boss. And in some ways, I'm less free than when I had a boss. Because when I had a boss, I was accountable to one person. And I did what he told me, or I didn't. That was my choice. But, you know, I had a simple choice. And all I had to do was what I was told to do. And that's easy. Now I'm my own boss, supposedly, although I've got to answer to my wife, to Mark, to Catherine. You know, the, the, those three fuckers are demanding and basically I'm their bitch. <laughs> fact, fact. So I have no idea why I even raised that point. Now you know, yeah. <laughs> so, however, the perception of me being my own boss, what it taught me was accountability for my own actions. Because when you have a manager, it's so easy to go, well, here's what it's easy to do when you've got a manager. It's easy to only do the tasks they get you to do and not actually question if those tasks are the right tasks. It's also easy to put the responsibility of your tasks onto them. For example, in sales again, let's say you're given some leads that have already been called. Well, you could have already recalled all of those people before you were even asked to. Let's say you don't get the, I know you all love the website leads, don't you? You know, the basically, the naked ones. Oh, just, you know, here I am, ready for you. Come and get me. Just, just, I'll peel you some grapes. <laughs> you all want those leads. Of course you do. But the, the, the way you get those leads is you, figure out how to get those leads. You don't, oh, well, I didn't get those leads. You're smart and you figure out, okay, who gets them? Why do they get them? What do I need to do to get them? Maybe you make friends with the person who manages the website leads, for example. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So being my own boss as a perception of that um, taught me that it's up to me, no one else, it's up to me to figure out what is the most important thing that I've got to do right now. It's up to me. Here's what's interesting. Sometimes the most important thing I know I've got to do, I know it's going to piss Mark off and I know it's going to piss Catherine off. And that's interesting, putting myself in a position where the two people I'm the most accountable to, I actually know the most important task could ruffle them up. That's when I know it's the right task. Now, if you have a manager, and you feel like there is a task more important than the one that you're doing, get good at communicating that with them. I.e. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
Why am I fucking doing this now? No, that's not good at communication. I've got an editor who is currently overwhelmed with editing projects. They sent me an email of their next two week schedule and said, what do you want me to drop if you want me to do these new edits? And I was really impressed with that. Because unless that person told me, I don't know what they've got on. And if I ask them to do something that's important to me and they don't do it, I might assume that they're shirking. But this person said, here's my next two week schedule. I'm full. What's important? So I said, drop that, drop that, drop that, and put those three things in before. And then this person went, yeah, I can do that. That was very smart and very mature. This person is also quite young, and you don't generally get that level of maturity for someone that young, either because they don't dare ask someone like me that, or they don't have the foresight to do that. But you should be doing that yourself. Here's the reality, right? This is a reality. It's not a criticism, it's just a reality. All of you in this room right now deem this moment more important than what you could be doing. Everyone out there deems that moment as more important than this moment because we all spend time on what we deem the most important to us. And some people, oh no, that's not true because they've got to do this job or they've got to do, you know. No, like people don't do what they say. People are not what they say. People are what they do. And that's not a criticism, it's just what it is. So you, maybe you weren't gonna come and then you saw my email and you thought, yeah, actually, I wanna learn about that. Or maybe you were relieved it wasn't mindset where often I can hammer in. And, yeah, yeah, that's what I need to see. She doesn't come to the mindset ones. Fuck that. <laughs> so you deem this, uh, by the way, I deem this as the most important use of this hour. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here either. The reason I deem this is I could do my own task for an hour that could make me a thousand or five thousand pounds. But if I can do this task and you all earn an extra thousand pounds for me, then I've earned fifteen thousand pounds. So I see this as a, the most important use of my time because there's leverage in it. Because if I just do my task, I can improve me. If I help you all, I could improve you all in the business. So you are either unconsciously doing what your procrastination emotion wants to feel comfortable doing in the moment, or you're looking at your list of tasks and you're figuring out what's the most important and you know what is the highest return on your time and you're doing that anyway. And then when people and emails and social media and everything else wants to distract you, you're just going, no, no, I've got to get this done. I've got to get this done. So what is priority then? What's prioritization? Money, progress, yeah? Okay, well I think most people think that priority is a list of tasks in order of importance. But you can only do one thing in one moment. So actually priority is one thing, the one thing. Not, because you know when you write a list, you get to a point where you look at that list and you want to chuck up, because you've got 48 things on the list. So actually, the list didn't help. All the list did is, have more things to look at that you've got to do and can create more overwhelm, more procrastination. I don't like having any emails unanswered. And if I've got a lot of emails, I can feel quite overwhelmed. And then what I'll do is I'll start replying quite quickly to get them out of my inbox. The thing is, if I reply to an email quickly and I'm not clear and I haven't done the job properly, I'm just going to get it back. So now instead of trying to be fast, I'll try and be good. But actually, what you should do is 
open the one email and shut the inbox. Because what you've just said is exactly right. Just having a long list there changes your behavior. If you didn't have a list there and you only had one important thing to do and there was nothing else in your peripheral perception, you could lock in on that one task. But if you've got that one task and you're thinking, fuck, I've got 900 others. Here's, here's a brilliant analogy for this in sales. If you've got a lot of leads, might you, consciously or otherwise, rush through those calls? You could, yeah. Could that reduce your amount of sales because you're not putting enough time into that person? If you only had one lead today, you're going to call them up and you're going to do what needs to be done and you're not going to be rushed and you're going to make the sale if you only had one lead today. If you have 66, fuck, uh, buy, now, fuck, quick, motherfucker, credit cards, buy, fuck, yes, done. That's not a good way to sell. Because so, sometimes that person, you've got 14 objections. They're wobbling because their partner doesn't want to spend the money or whatever. And you, you've got to be present with them. So actually, this is why I think priority is not a list of 58 things. Priority, the benefit of a list is like journaling. If you're like, fucking hell, my brain, write a list. Because it's like chundering out. But then you need to fucking put it well over there and just take one thing. That thing. Okay, I'm doing that thing. I'm not rushing that thing. Right now, do this with me. Right now, think of all the things you've got to do for the rest of the day. Right now. Just think about them. Maybe there's a lot. Just think about them all. Maybe there's a big list. Maybe you've got leads here and leads there. Maybe you've got VAT returns or um, payroll or Rob's KPIs. <laughs> Rob's KPIs just get bigger and bigger. Okay, so if I take you out of being in this here boardroom and I get you to visualize all the things you've got to do, I can get you overwhelmed without even doing anything. You've just got yourself overwhelmed or potentially by thinking about all the things you've got to do and the lack of time that you've got to do it. So all overwhelm is, is thinking about the future. The opposite of overwhelm. Now, Im imagine if I could go men in black and all of a sudden, all those things you've got to do in 15 minutes from now have dissolved and you are in this room. I can tell, I I obviously, I've been doing speaking many years. Um, I'm a work in progress. But I can tell when you're in this room and I can tell when some of you have checked out and you're somewhere else. All I have to do is look at you and I can see their mind's over there, their mind's thinking about the future, their mind's thinking about the past. And then I can tell when you're really in the room with me because I've been doing this so long. So here's the thing, when you're somewhere else, you miss now. So overwhelm is being somewhere else, i.e. fuck all those things I fucked up, past, or fuck all those things I've got to do, future. As soon as you come into present, now, can't be overwhelmed. It's impossible, exactly, because there's only one thing to do. So it doesn't matter how many events you're selling, doesn't matter how many leads you got, doesn't matter how, you know, I, some, you know, I sometimes visualize Tina. Have you seen the Tasmanian devil and how it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, I sometimes visualize Tina like that. <laughs> Steam coming out of the ears. It doesn't matter how much Haley and Tina and Catherine and everyone else and me are jumping up and down like that and how many events we've got and how many leads you've got. It matters. Is this the right phone number for the phone call I'm going to do now? And am I going to give them my full attention? 
So, you know, if you're thinking, fuck, I've got loads to do, you're not going to let them talk. You're going to interrupt. So it's a constant getting your brain out of the future and the past and out of its emotion of ease into what am I doing right now? So the, good, the great thing about being a speaker, because I'm purely focused on this task that I'm doing with you right now, I haven't been physically able to think about the 17 meetings I've got after this. I've just now I'm, I'm sparring with a waist at quarter to six. I've just shit myself because <laughs> he's a fucking animal. But up until now, I hadn't thought about that. I'd just been here in the moment. So that is your answer, Brandon, which is pull yourself into the moment of the one core. And people will start saying this to you. It, it's, this is a bit of a miracle, I think, because right now in the world, we have 900 distractions, social media, messengers, adverts, people, and it's trained our brains to constantly look for a distraction. And when I go and meet people and I go out for dinner and I do these things, I put my phone in my pocket or I don't take it and I watch them. And you talk to someone and they're with you and they're present. And then as soon as they're not the, the main focus of the conversation, they immediately pick up their phone. And it's, I mean, it's actually fucking rude, but it is what it is. I'm not like saying, it's just a, that's how our brains are now. So the thing is, if you're going out, go out. Don't, you can check your, your phone when you get back. If you're on a, a sales call, be with the person that you're speaking to. You know, sometimes even, and I've caught myself doing this, sometimes I'm on the phone with someone, like on WhatsApp, and I'm like, I'm not really vibing it, so I'll go on WhatsApp and look at my messages on WhatsApp while I'm on the phone with them. So I'm not present with them. So then I miss stuff that they say, so I try not to do that. So, yeah. So if you, it, by the way, it's not an age thing, but younger people have been brought up where it's kind of seems almost socially okay to engage with people and engage with your phone at the same time. Whereas I'm, I'm in the middle age between some of you younger ones and some of you more experienced ones that we have here. I'm not going to look at anyone. But like, it was just basically rude to look at your phone. That's my mum, by the way. It is all right. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not judging you. You're taking notes. But actually, it's a good thing that you say that because then I don't think... Oh, he's on social media. But I, I figured you were taking your notes, whereas I figured when a couple of other people might be do, doing a cheeky message. Um, so basically, what this comes back to is you win at life when you experience the present moment. You don't when you're stuck in the past or the future. Because when you're in the present moment, doing the single most important task, that's the only task that's going to get you the result that you want. So prioritization is not about a list. The only point of a list is to brain dump so that you can clear your mind. Because sometimes, like I've been getting up about 3.30 in the morning, I start work at quarter to four. It's great because by six or 6.30, I've fucking smashed it. I've got most of my work done. But what generally happens to me is, I wake up in the morning like, I've got quite a lot of things to do and it's there. And then I get it all done and it's just like, ah, oh, it's gone, I fucking feel invincible. And then the day progresses and the more meetings I have, the more my inbox and WhatsApp and everything else starts to fill. And then I start to feel like, fuck, I've got quite a lot to do. But ultimately, really, that's just my brain playing tricks on me. Because I don't know how many emails I've got in my inbox or how many WhatsApps I've got. So if I think about it, I'm actually just imagining it. I don't actually know. But if I was sat here talking to you and I was like, so yeah, pro um, procrastination, what, what? And I'm there looking at my WhatsApps while trying to talk to you. You're going to be like, well, one, it's going to feel weird. 
And so you're not going to get the best information out of me. And that's the same with the clients you speak to. If any of you do one-to-one -one meetings, for example, you think, you know, if you're a manager and you're like, fucking hell, I've got to do 28 one-to-ones today. So you try and get the one-to-one -one smashed out instead of just being in the moment of that one-to-one. Writing copy, I write quite a lot of copy. Um, and sometimes I just, oh, I just got to get this done. Uh, well, no, wait a minute. Don't try and do it fast, try and do it well. It's a big difference. Okay, we have seven minutes left plus the 80. So um, <laughs> I always like to give a little bit extra. Um, any questions on, so the purpose of this was for me to help you be productive, effective and efficient. It was to help you know your highest priority tasks, your income generating tasks. It was to help you get the most out of your day, which means you can either achieve more in less time or you can achieve the same in less time and have more time. That's your choice, isn't it? Generally speaking, if I achieve more in less time, I'd try, try and achieve more in the time that I've filled. But for some of you, you just might want to have that extra time that you save to yourself, which is also fine. So yeah, questions on getting more done, being effective, being efficient, being productive, being fast but good, prioritizing, time management, life management, energy management, getting shit done. Any questions? Is it possible to get too stuck in the moment? I think yes. For, I'll give you an example. Let's say you never save or invest for the future because you just live in the moment because you believe the universe will always look after you. The universe will always find a way to give you money. So you're not going to save and invest for the future. You're just going to live in the moment. That's probably not financially smart. So in, that was the thing that immediately came to mind, that if you live in the moment all the time without living in the future, because planning is living in the future. Experiencing is living in the now. So very successful people, it has been proven, have the longest time horizon, i.e. And I say in terms of wealth and what they've built, that's one measure of success. There are others, but even with parenting, it's the same. The longer you can see into the future, the more successful you're likely to be. So, you, you know, the, the biggest leaders of our time can see beyond their own lifetime. Whereas some people who are a disaster can't even see past this afternoon. So I think what you want to do is have moments where you plan for the future but you're still in the moment though, aren't you? Because it's a paradox. Because even when you're thinking about the future, you're in the moment thinking about the future. You're not in the moment thinking about the past. Because like, let's say you want to sort your money shit out. But normally you gamble and you waste all your money and you spend it. That's the past. So if you live in the past, well, I keep fucking gambling all my money away. You can't change the future because you're living in the past. So to change that, you have to go, okay, you know, I snorted my entire bank balance away, fine. That's what I did, <laughs> full stop, I'm gonna change it. And then you think in the future, but planning in the future is still being in the now. That's a good question. Then planning was procrastination and it didn't serve you. Yeah, be careful that planning doesn't come, become procrastination. Like writing a book, there's only one way to write a book, write the words. So if it's a 60,000 word book, 59,999 words is not a book. 60,000 words is a book. So everything other than the 60,000th word is procrastination until it's done. So people go, oh, well, I'm just planning and I'm just researching and there's all this fucking da, 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 da. Nah, you're just procrastinating. So planning is vital. Just, just be self-aware enough to know, just basically go, oh yeah, I'm taking the piss out of myself here now. Yeah, yeah. Here's the other thing about planning. You can plan to do something and then what you actually should do in that day 
changes. So this is why, and I would write this down if you've got anything to write, write on, because I think it's one of the best life questions. Um, I mean, one of the, the best life question is who am I? I think that's the best life question. Um, you know, we get taught at school, um, what is pi? 3.1, but we don't get taught to ask, what am I? Like, if you can answer that question in your life, you've done pretty fucking well. So another great life question is, what is the single most important thing I should be doing right now? And it's always only one thing. It's never two. It's always one. So, Brandon, you've done your plan for the day. You even checked yourself from procrastinating. You get in the office and Tina walks up to you and fucks up your shit that you just planned. So what you then have to do is go, what is the most important thing that I should be doing right now? And it might be what she wants you to do, or it might not. Now, if, if you think it's not, you've got to convince her it is. And if she convinces you it's not, what she says is more important. And if you convince her it is, what you say is more important. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So how, how do you know what's most important? What is most likely to make the sale? Oh, but they could all make the sale. All right, what is most likely to make the biggest sale? Because by the way, there are some sales that are easy and there are some sales that are big. You've got different events that you sell in and you'll know, because you guys are smart, oh, that's the quick, easy win. Oh, these ones are fucking demanding, but demanding is also rewarding and they're the big spenders or the big earners. These are linked and separate. So efficiency is the shortest route to the best possible result. It's not the shortest route, because sometimes you'll know with selling. You know, if you just go, oh yeah, are you coming on the 15th to MMS? Yeah. All right, see you there. You'll know they're not coming because you've, you've just confirmed rather than resold. So in that moment, you can convince yourself that's efficient. It's not. So basically you need to test. And here's how you do it. You work out the average length of your phone call for each different lead type and you evaluate it. So let me give you an example on this. I know all your average call times because I get records of them and I see them. And it's not exactly like this, but generally it works like this. The longer the average call time, the higher up the sales leaderboard you are. So what some people are doing is grinding out 80 calls a day, but they're, they're, they're hardly on the phone. They think they are, but they're, so they're, doing, they're basically doing admin. So I can tell you the more time you spend with them, generally speaking, that, that that's pushing you up. But you're going to get diminishing returns. And um, so a couple of things. Number one, get time the calls where you think this. So if there's areas where you think, do you know what, I put a lot of time into this, is it worth my time? Time them. Then the next thing you want to do, challenge the person you're speaking to. So um, get to a point and just say to them, can I ask you a question? Yeah, okay. Do you mind if I'm honest? Are you just looking for a load of free information? Oh, no, no, da, 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 da. Number one, it calls them out straight away. It puts them on the back foot. It will change them. But then you then take control of that phone call because then you can say, look, I'm here for you. But do you know all the people that go and check out free shit on YouTube? None of them are rich. Otherwise, that's how you get rich. So I understand that you want to know. But it all starts when you come to 3DI and it all starts when you invest in yourself because investing in yourself creates accountability. So is there anything else really important or do we need to just, you know, get this booked in. With certain types of people, you actually want to push them away because they're not going to be the right person. I, I've got some flags. You know, when you've done this forever, you notice the flag. So for example, when people want a massive amount from me really quickly, 
and, and, and it's really demanding like they own me, that's usually a flag. Um, and I, I remember, I've got lots of examples, but specifically one guy, he was trying to get a lot of information from me to sign up to my mentoring, even though he had you know, the salesperson that was dealing with it. And like, the, the more he asked, the more I felt like I was going to have to give him. So I was like, this doesn't feel equitable. And then, he, and then I said, look, you know, I've given you all the information you need now. Go speak to the, the team and I hope I, work, hope I get to work with you. And he came back and he said, right, I'm in. I want this, 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 and this. And he just kept, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to fucking check because I bet you he's put like the minimum payment plan down. And I checked and he blagged like half the minimum payment plan we normally allow. And I look at all of our bad debt data and basically, if people pay under a minimum deposit, they nearly always turn into bad debt. So I've seen it. So I just messaged him and said, look, I don't think we're right to work together. I don't think your expectations are right. I'm giving you a refund. And there's, oh, da, 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 da. Yeah, because then you've got the power back, haven't you? Um, I ended up giving him a refund and I ended up seeing him going and bitching and moaning about everyone else. So, so I trusted myself. Um, in terms of this, challenging people is the greatest gift. And sometimes it can feel awkward. But if you say, can I be honest with you? And, you know, I don't say this to challenge you, but when you say I don't say, like you said, I don't mean to use the word fragile, and we all heard the word fragile. So, you know, I mean, I don't mean to say you're a twat, but, you know, that's all you can hear. So, <laughs> so you know, if you say, look, I don't mean to challenge you, but I'd say something like, look, I don't mean to challenge you, but I've been doing this a long time, and I want you to get results. So do I have permission to be honest? Cool. And then you can say, what people often do so you don't even have to say, you're raping me for information. You know, you can say, what people often do is they're looking for all this free information. It's actually procrastination. Yeah. So if you find yourself needing to get to that point where you need to, you know, right, you need to own your time and not let it become an hour where you, you're just going to get chased around, you're not going to get the sale, jump in there and challenge it. All right, cool. Um, I'm going to do three more minutes. So, so then I'm only 10 minutes late for my next appointment. And you can all blame me if you're late for your next one. Well, first off is to remember your job. And, you know, you're not, your job isn't to educate. That's not your job. So if you find yourself educating a bit too much, educate less. Um, when I do content on social media, my job isn't really to teach much how. Because people aren't on social media long enough to get into the how. So there's different types of content. There's what content, why content, how content. So... For example, let's say we're talking about lease options. What content is defining what a lease option is? Why content is why it's useful and applicable to you. And how content is how to do it. You should not be doing any how. All your content should be what and why. So if someone asks, oh, well, how do you do an understand contract again? Well, do you know, I, no, no, don't. No, but, but, no, no, but you don't, but at times you do, because you've said about, oh, what time do I, at what point do I stop teaching them? You don't, don't. Always think what and why. If you're not answering what and why, you're teaching, because the course is the how. Yeah, it, the what and the why is what you're selling. And um, if you're having to give a lot, it just means you haven't done it very well. And that's not a judgment, but like, if, if you nail it straight away, then, because at the time, at the point when they get it, they'll go, yeah, okay, I'm ready. Yeah, so just get really sharp and tight. Yeah, know how as in do not do anyhow, it's not your job. And if they draw into that, say, we've actually got specialist experts who've been doing this for 20 years who can teach you all this stuff. That's why you want to come. Yeah. <laughs> At the moment, fuck all. Yeah, 
ever since I quit coffee, although I'm back on coffee, um, but ever since I quit it and then came back on it, my sleep's all over the place. So at the moment, like I, I got up at yeah three three thirty this morning, three fifteen the morning before. I probably have five hours sleep in an ideal world for me eight. So I'm a bit behind. Yeah. So well, you intuitively know how much you need by um, how you feel. If you're feeling lethargic, you're not getting enough. And we all know what it feels like to oversleep. And if you feel like that, you're getting too much. But I need more than five. I'm currently running on caffeine, um, which obviously isn't sustainable. Um, yeah, so for me, like 10 till 5.30, so that's what, seven and a half? Probably the optimum. Next session, let's do a how to sleep yeah. session. Um, I, I, I think there's a fucking load of science out there that is yet to be proven. And I think there's always new science. Does that make the old science irrelevant? I think all of us, if we tune in to our body and mind, those types of things we know the answer to. Like, if you have a day or a moment where you feel really energized and on it, take a moment to think about how that feels and why you feel like that and do more of it. And then if the opposite, you're like, fucking hell, my brain's all over the place, I'm distracted, I'm knackered, I'm lethargic. Take a moment to go, why do I feel like this? And fix it. Like, I don't want to be too sort of spiritual, but you know, my, so I've got some spiritual friends and they say, listen to your body, be in tune with your body. You know, that sounds a bit metrosexual to me because I'm obviously trying to be a man. But I am trying to listen to that more. Like, like for example, you know, like you're drinking a protein drink. And, you know, someone who says, you know, to get bigger, they'd say, drink that. And my wife would say, don't drink that. It's full of preservatives. You know, you, you don't need protein supplements. It's just marketing. And, and there's always an opposing view. But, like, I know people who can run on five and a half, six hours of sleep. I know people who need eight and a half, nine. If you're a really busy, active, always on it person, you're going to need more. If you slow down and you have a low metabolism, you're going to need less. It's the same with food. Should you eat an intermittent fast or should you eat every two hours? Because I remember them telling you you should every, eat every two hours. And now it's like you should only eat within eight hours. Well, I'm fucking confused. At least I'm not contradicting what I say to you. Make fucking money. That's what I'm saying to you. <laughs> being broke is shit. Being rich is good. I'm not going to confuse you. Yeah. All right. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the session. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot.